box, this would be the toy inside. Oh, I wanted that one. It's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Yes, thank you for joining us. After a long weekend for a lot of the country, uh, if you were back at work, you needed some audio for your commute. Hope you enjoyed Matt and Alex's uh, highlights podcast from the first month. Great times were had. I had a um, I had a friend just message me out of the blue with the crying, laughing face saying, a hundred dicks, ha, ha, ha. What was that in reference to? What's your juice? <laughs> yeah, well, no, yeah, no, it's the... Um, the me on set with my with my my oversized pouch, <laughs> and so I was like, "Oh, of course, that's right." So thank you to everyone who uh, who gave it a listen. Join us for our bottomless brunch. We'll be doing a few of those over the next uh, few months and weeks and years. Yeah, keep an eye on your feeds for some more bottomless brunches coming to you. But in the meantime, big news out of New Zealand: zero active COVID cases. We're going to be crossing there Yay! very soon. We're going to be chatting to Mark Fennell. Uh, a little bit later on as well, who has a uh, really great new podcast uh, coming out on Audible. So you'll be able to hear from him a little bit later on. And also the big news in Australia, there was some plenty of protests around the place. We're going to be getting into that in a moment. Matt O'Kine's a little bit sad. Brisbane Broncos, record loss, Maddie zero fifty nine. 59 uh, keeps to happening. the Sydney Roosters. It keeps happening. Ouchie mama. <laughs> The first time they were nil, wasn't it? It wasn't the first time they ever lost nil. Uh, in 2019, they lost to Parramatta Eels, 0-58. Canberra Raiders in 2009, 0-56. Melbourne Storm, 4-50. Oh. Parramatta Eels at 0-7, 22-68. Oh, okay. so they've, they've had a few nils. I got all those losses tattooed on my body. That's how I could uh, <laughs> read them off to Matt so he could uh, feel that one. But hope you are well, whatever you are up to uh, around this beautiful country and world of ours. This is All Day Breakfast with Matt and Alex. This is just the start. Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Matt and Alex, All Day Breakfast. Yes, Matt, the protests we saw in America over the last couple of weeks uh, have filtered through to Australia. A lot of Black Lives Matter protests happening in the capital cities here. People obviously upset about the um, absolutely appalling stats when it comes to deaths in custody of Indigenous Australians and uh, also showing solidarity for the people in the US. Uh, yourself, Matt, did you get to a protest? I didn't agree with them. Oh, I mean, I agree with the cause behind it, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't believe that they should go ahead because of uh, because of the COVID restrictions, and that's a personal thing. I completely understand why people wanted to march, and I mm-hmm. think that it was really important. It's just there's a whole bunch of reasons, you know, and it sucks having to even talk about it because you don't ever want to be obstructing the. Uh, you know, justice that you feel is 100% necessary and lacking in this cause. Yeah, and when you see the stats of, you know, over 400 Indigenous Australians after a Royal Commission into finding yeah, more out... Than, more than after than before the Royal Commission, you know what I mean? <laughs> Where a Royal Commission literally saying, here are our recommendations to make sure that this, you know, endemic problem can end, you know, now... They have those ridiculous stats after that happening. It's appalling. Absolutely appalling. It is. The other reason, you know, why I was annoyed about about them going ahead is because it now gives people a distraction and a way to divert the conversation from what it needs to be talked about. And it's sure. already happening in all the media. Every single person, every single critic, every single politician is out here saying they shouldn't have marched, they shouldn't have marched instead of actually talking about why... 30,000 people or 10,000 people or 20,000 people in some cities were so motivated to march that they would risk the health of themselves, really, um, 
to to speak out about a problem that is that is systemic right but it really brings up a good point because of all these people in the media and politicians who say well it wasn't a good time we can talk about it, but it's not a good time it's not a good time i'm learning more and more that it is never a good time because when is a good time to talk about it it's not anzac day it's not yeah. australia day it's not when you're listening to a, a your favorite song countdown it's not in a rugby league ad it's not when kathy freeman wins a medal and she wants to just carry two flags it's not on a big brother eviction night when someone holds up <laughs> it's ne- i mean you know you can't even infiltrate big brother it's not colin kaepernick sake. kneeling you know, no, that's it's not during protesting. a football game. It's yeah. not during a you know a play. When is it? When mm. will it ever be? And the fact of the matter is, it's never a good time because it's extremely uncomfortable to talk about, right? Mm. I spent the whole weekend feeling like crap. I really did. I, I went on holiday with my family. I really wanted to have a good time, and this whole time I kept thinking about all these memories of times when racism has affected me and i think that when we talk about racism too many people think that racism is what you might what has been described as vulgar racism which is um you know uh out like uh you know vulgar sprays of you know Mm. uh slurs or or actually violent acts but i think what people really need to talk about is just institutionalized racism systemic racism things that are embedded within a culture that are not easy to remove or get rid of and you can't necessarily pinpoint it people always want to say oh well tell me what i did that was racist what is the thing you know but the 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 problem is racism always hides behind an excuse or an action all right and it's very hard to catch racism because a lot of racists have been practicing their whole life right so Mm. they know how to get away with it they absolutely know and there's always an excuse but racism exists and racism exists in harsher punishments reduced leniency stricter monitoring uh the the expectation that one should be more thankful or more grateful for an opportunity because of the color of their skin it's like it's like eyes being on you in a shop when you're just trying to browse it's being stopped and questioned by the police because they have a suspect in near the nearby area that you might look like which happens to me it happened to my dad recently he's a 70 year old man he gets stopped in injury shopping center yeah. you know because he daddy Mac. looks like someone they're looking for exactly and it, oh, you man. know he got really angry about that and and I, at the time i was like oh why do you care and I'm, now i think about it, it's like because it because it's humiliating that's why because Mm. no one who's walking around you knows why the police are sitting there talking to you in the middle of a shopping center taking all your details looking like you've done something wrong and it's absolutely humiliating right but what's to say that that was a racial thing that's that's the difficulty so you can never Mm. ever ever really pinpoint it right so i'm just i just want to give you a list of these are the things i thought about over the weekend daiso yeah and this is how what I believe to be racism, and this is what I want you listening to think about when, when we talk about racism. This is not just someone yelling the N-word out of, you know, on a bus or anything like that that always seems to make the news. These are the little things that affect you for your whole life and you still think about when you're a 35-year-old man trying to have a normal time with your, with your family, all right? So key moments in my life that I keep, that I keep thinking about. And this isn't one of our comedy countdowns that we've been uh, having a little <laughs> bit over the last, just to be clear, <laughs> leading in. This is not one of our this... funny, you know, darkest days in oboe history. This is, no, uh, no. This is, this is literally Matt O'Kide's, uh, yeah experiences. Okay. So 
in around about 1995-96 when Pauline Hanson was at the height of her first wave through Parliament and she was in the news so much talking about anti-immigration stuff. I remember walking into my mum's bedroom one night and asking her if my dad was an immigrant, right? Because I'd heard so much stuff in the news about how immigration is bad and how immigrants are bad. And I remember when my mum said that he was, in fact, an immigrant, I remember a deep pit of shame forming up in my stomach. And I remember thinking, I can't ever let anyone know about this because I know that 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 he is, that, that that's bad, right? So to have something, to feel ashamed of your own dad, you know, even just for mm. a moment is... It's a really evil thing for people and the media and politicians to do. So I, I always think about that, especially when I see people like Pauline Hanson on Dancing with the Stars and shit. It really kills me because their words have the so much effect on kids that they don't, like we're adults, we get it, you know, but kids don't and they, they take it on all on board. I remember being called, I mean, this sort of stuff, being called a coconut or lamington all through school and me calling myself a coconut. You know, oh, I'm white on the inside, black on the outside, white on the inside as if it was like a, a badge to, to be proud of. When, what does that even mean, white on the inside? What does that even mean? Like I've got brown skin because my dad's black and my mum was white. That's just it. That is all it mm. means. You know, there's no white on the inside or people saying, oh, you're the whitest black person I know. I've gotten that my whole life why why am i the whitest black person you know because i can talk well because i'm articulate because i have a job because i can pay rent what do you think black is you know so check that first before you make sort of comments like that and then it's on you if you react harshly to a comment like that you have to play along otherwise it's just yeah. a joke bro <laughs> i have you know? to justify what what blackness mm. means to to you know to them you know, mm. or I have to, I have to agree or disagree or whatever, and it it, it's, it, it takes its toll. And taking a color of the skin and a, a, attributing traits to a color is just so gross. So um, when I was looking for a job just out of high school, I remember I'd read a study that had shown this is a this is a, a study had shown that employers are more likely to give you a job interview, you know, if they're looking at resumes, they were more likely to give you an interview based on your name and they will give you, they were more likely to select you for an interview if you have an Anglo name. That, that is a fact, right? I remember putting my picture on my resume to make sure that people looking through it would see my name and look at my picture and know that I wasn't that black. Now, people claim, mm. oh, it's all a meritocracy and, you know, if you work hard, then you'll get the job, etc. You You can't even get the interview. You know, studies have proven that, that you can't even get the interview. So, of course, yeah, I'm sure once you're in the job, it's great. What happens when you can't even get through the door? I remember... The first time I was on television, one of the one of the most exciting gigs, you know, I'd done a stand-up gig and it was the first time I'd been on TV. And my girlfriend at the time told me that she didn't tell her grandmother that I was on TV because then her grandmother would have found out that 
she was dating a brown guy. And we'd been dating for a while. And that stuff, and you know, I didn't blame her because I got it. I got the mentality. And, but that's, that stuff kills you, you know? And it puts a real dampener on things that are supposed to be these incredible moments for you. So even in the wins, even when the things are good, there are still those things to remind you. And so bear in mind that this is all of this stuff and, and they may seem trivial to you, but they've, they've stuck with me for my whole life. All of these things are coming from a guy who would be deemed quite successful, who came from a middle-class background who had a good education, who ducks his primary school and for all intents and purposes, isn't even that black. So just imagine what sort of shit people who have already started out disadvantaged have to face day in, day out and don't even get to bring up the topic of racism because they should be grateful eternally grateful that they're allowed to live to exist in this society so people keep asking about what can i do and you know they post the black tile and stuff which i think is great it's better than doing nothing but just know that there's if you want to change you actually have to look inward and not outward and you don't have to tell anyone that you're changing. You don't have to post anything. You literally just have to look at the parts in your life where you have contributed or been a part of things like this or let things slide or not said anything and just figure out step by step, really slowly, how you might be able to change and remember that we're not working. You know, if you're not even doing it for you or this generation, think about the next generation and think about the 10-year-old kid who's watching the news now so that that 10-year-old kid isn't embarrassed about who he is or, or who his parents are or whatever. So I would, I would be really interested to know because I rack my brain trying to figure out what to do, how mm. to actually make a difference. And I would really like to ask you, the listener, when did you change? When was the tipping point? Get in touch with us on our Instagram or however you want to get in touch with us on the Discord and if you if you looked a certain way in the past and something made you change, then let us know because I'd love for you to tell all of us about it and know that there is plenty of hope out there um, to follow suit for people to follow in your footsteps. Absolutely. And what I've found is doing things when they're hard is a bit of a mark of... Um, of change as well. Calling someone out in a in a social situation is a hard, uncomfortable thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure in the past, I have no doubt, whether it's you know I'm 16 year, years old and it's in the footy club or something like that, and things, and whether it's racism or misogyny or anything that is incorrect, I've taken the easy way out, and you just don't mention it and go, oh, that's just them, you know, mm-hmm. or doing things. When it comes to protesting or speaking out or putting in the work <laughs> to help make it better, yeah, there's, there's stuff everyone, including myself, can do in the future. And um, Matt O'Kine, once again, thank you very much for uh, 
for sharing your own experience with us. Anytime. We'll uh, make it a little bit lighter up next. We've got a great guest. You're on Matt and Alex, All Day Breakfast. Coffee? Yeah, coffee. A seventh coffee never hurt anyone. Oh, I feel a buzz. Yes, Matt, in the world of pandemics, New Zealand are very, very happy because they just announced yesterday there are zero active cases. They're going to be, apart from international travel bans, lifting all restrictions. And I tell you what, the people of New Zealand are celebrating, including the Prime Minister. She was asked uh, what they what she did when the, she learned there was no active cases, and she said, I did a little dance. That's Jacinda Ardern there. And the <laughs> Director General of Health, Dr Bloomfield, said... I did allow myself a broad smile, which is uh, pretty good of all the restrictions taking place. I, did, I think the, the chief medical officer even uh, doing a bit of a restrictions on smiling over the last eight months, uh, eight weeks, I should say. But it's all come to fruition and we're going to cross to New Zealand right now to uh, give a big congratulations to the people via the George FM breakfast host, Cara Ricard, who joins us live now from NZ. Hello, Cara, and congratulations. Thank you very much, Ed. So good to not be in lockdown anymore. Oh, I bet. I mean, tell us what you've been up to in the last eight weeks. Oh, man. I did a radio show from home for nine weeks with three small children and wasn't sure if I was going to come out of this with another baby or a divorce. Well, you did very, very well indeed. Um, I absolutely love the show that you host over there for George FM. Uh, big fan of your work. Can you tell us, yesterday when they announced this news, how did you feel? Did you do a dance? Did you do a smile? What did you do? Oh, I was so, so pumped. We actually preempted that we were going to go to Level 1 and planned a massive party for this Friday. So it's the first big bar gig in the country that's been announced and no shit within 20 minutes it had like 400 people wanting to come (laughs) i tell you what (laughs) things could be getting a little out of hand with the party stakes in new zealand (laughs) but it is big stuff i actually was in new zealand when it first announced its 14-day isolation methods i got in just before that happened and flew home to australia just after we followed suits and uh announced our own and it seems at the time i remember thinking when new zealand announced this rule it's like This is a lot heavier than anything we've ever seen before. What was the reaction in New Zealand when that happened? Were people thinking that Jacinda Ardern and and the government were were heavy-handed at that time? Oh, 100%. There was a lot of people thinking that it didn't need to be that strict, that we could carry on doing whatever we were doing, but with some restrictions. But now, in retrospect, everyone is really happy that they moved quickly they locked it down because it only resulted in, I think, 22 deaths and now we're coronavirus free and we can try and just get back to life as normal. Incredible work. So, Cara, be honest, how smug are you right now? Like, I mean, what's the vibe around the whole country? Are you guys just like hardy ha-ha? Oh, everyone is so stoked. I mean, obviously it has been difficult because it's been really bad for our economy and to that aspect of it is quite difficult for a lot of people but when we look at the numbers of the people that passed away I think everybody can kind of understand that it was necessary and it had to be done 
Absolutely. Um, so would you put it on uh, New Zealand, the All Blacks winning the World Cup levels, partying as a result? Where would this sit? You know, um, Return of the King getting 13 Oscars. Where where are you putting this as far as national <laughs> celebrations go? Yeah, I would I would say All Blacks winning the World Cup. Definitely not that time that we nearly won the America's Cup and then didn't. Yeah, fair enough. We don't want to bring up, we don't want to open old wounds, Cara. Hey, uh, thank you so much for uh, for having a chat with us and letting us know how it all went. I hope you guys celebrate so hard this Friday night. You might be celebrating with a little bit of bubbly, but when are you going to let the Aussies in this little trans-Tasman bubble? What do you reckon? <laughs> let us let us yeah, get a bit bubbly know, with might, you. We're going to talk to Jacinda this week. I'm not sure how I feel about that, about letting you guys be the only people that are allowed into oh. Oi, come on. I've co-hosted your show before, Cara. We we can we we're, we're a team. Let us yeah, in. Yeah, well, that is true. I'm just interested to see what our national health minister Ashley Bloomfield ends up doing. Is he gonna do a podcast? Is he gonna have a reality show? Because he came this massive kind of cult hero like his dad that everybody wanted to bone wanted to hang out with, just wanted to be friends with people, wrote songs about him. I reckon this is the most famous that health officials have ever been in my, in my whole time in the whole my whole life i've never seen so many health officials on tv before are you saying that we're probably going to have to get an international health official sexy calendar going so that these <laughs> the, new, the new these fireys. new role models in the world could be uh, could be on our walls for the next 12 months with a few handy tips as to how to stay uh, hygienic in our homes i reckon we'll work on that cara ricard from new zealand's george fm breakfast show we will let you get going congratulations again and hopefully australia will be right behind you yeah just don't bring any coronavirus over with you okay guys that'll be very helpful we'll do our best i'm washing my hands as we speak cara thank you so much see you later thanks guys bye order up just how you like it perfect All day breakfast. Hey, Matt O'Kine, we've jumped into the wonderful world of podcasts. And I tell you what, someone who's been killing it on the pods recently is Mr. Mark Fennell. You might know him from the podcast It Burns, which is nominated for a bunch of awards. And he's just bringing out a brand new one, which is taking on a really, really interesting and slightly obscure story. <laughs> this can't be happening. No, nobody could. Is, is this good at pulling something off? This is a tangled web. That's a theft on a grand scale. It's full of a lot of shady characters. Bodies have been left in the orchard. Is controlled by the cartels. Just when you think you've unraveled it, it's crazy. There it is, the trailer for Nut Jobs, the new podcast uh, hosted by Mark Fennell, which you can find on Audible. Hello, Mark Fennell. Hey, guys. How are you? So We're very good. good. Thank you very much, Mark, for uh, joining us. Hey, this brand new Audible original, can you tell us, I mean, what, what inspired you to make a podcast about nuts? Nut theft. <laughs> well, I did, a, I did a podcast on Audible last year about the race to breed the world's hottest chili, which was, as you can imagine, quite mental. And uh, as I was working on it, somebody mentioned to me, hey, have you heard that there's like $10 million worth of nuts that's been stolen from California? And I... I remember like hearing that in my head, sort of turning and just going, "I'm sorry, what? How? How is that a thing?" And I, I get obsessive sometimes, and I just started emailing people involved, and it turns out it was this very strange high tech heist where you had 
truck drivers participating in a heist that they didn't even realise that they were part of. It involved, like, organised crime. And it sort of broke my brain a little bit. And I always find it, like, you always hit a moment with this series where you start thinking about it so much that it's like, okay, I just have to go do it. And before I knew it, I was um, somehow convinced Audible to send me. And before I knew it, I was in the US and I was strapped into a bulletproof vest being sent out on ride-alongs with like armoured cars. Like We're talking like, it's not even an armoured car. It's like an armoury with power steering, <laughs> patrolling these nut fields. And, it, you know, like you just have these out-of-body experiences where you sort of hover above yourself and you look at yourself and go, I'm sorry. What life choices have you made to bring you to this moment? Like, what, what exactly were you thinking when you agreed to this? And it's just, it's a completely bizarre story that involves, like, the LAPD, not just organised, like, multiple organised crime groups. And honestly, of all the strange things I've done in my career, it's one of the wilder things, for sure. Part of it sees you delving into the food and beverage black market. <laughs> um... What Sorry, is that's, that? That's criminal. <laughs> like, criminal things. I, I, I apologise for laugh, laughing. Is this is this you know like the dark web where people are buying cans of cola or like what what is the food and bev black market look like? So here's the thing, right? If you steal an iPhone, right, it's got a serial number. It's got packaging. You can track it. You steal a truckload of nuts. If a truckload of nuts disappears in the night and it hasn't been packaged yet, what have you got? doesn't have serial number, doesn't have packaging, and, of course, the evidence gets consumed. So, in a way, food and beverage, particularly at this stage of the development, it is the perfect crime. And you've got to remember, like, 10 years ago, we thought of nuts as, like, a snack. Now they're a bloody health food, which means you can charge $30 a bag for them, which means they're insanely valuable. And what I found was that they were being shipped out of the U.S. So 80% of the world's almonds come from the state of California, right? They were being shipped out of the U.S. all around the world through dodgy shipping practices. So I went all the way down to, like, the port of L.A., had this very strange conversation with a dude at the port of L.A., and Man, never I, go down and have a chat with someone at the docks. That's do not. In America, <laughs> in LA? Do not do it. Don't Late do it, Mark. <laughs> what are you doing? And I didn't even bring my bulletproof vest. I was oh. totally unprepared. I love that this is opening up a whole new black market where dudes are going to walk up to you in like dark alleyways and open up a trench coat and go like, hey, you want some nuts? And they're not going to be testicles. I love it. <laughs> well, that's, no. that's the oh, man. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, Mark, because in the first episode, having a, listened in to this podcast, uh, Nut Jobs, you say a truck of almonds go missing. You're like, oh, okay, sure. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure some people will be interested in it. And then, then it gets dropped that the single truck is carrying $500,000 worth of almonds. I'm not sure if you see your local armor guard go past, it would be carrying that much money. <laughs> They're not. Let me tell you. They're not most of the time. And I think it's important to kind of realize, right, like when you open up, the, and this is something I didn't realize until I went and did this series. It's like you open up the fridge, you open up a pantry, and everything you touch in there has a story. And you're actually touching hundreds of people's lives when you pick up, you know, something as innocuous as a bag of almonds. And I think the thing that was really surprising to me is like a lot of the stories of the people that I encountered trying to pick this thing apart were actually quite emotional. So, I, like, spoiler alert, I ended up meeting one of the drivers who was part of this heist. And, you know, he he was involved in a, an organised crime group, so he built up to me. I, you know, I had to agree to, like, not revealing location and all this sort of, you know, very cloak and dagger stuff. But then to actually talk to this guy, honestly, it was really, it's kind of heartbreaking, you know. And I think it's important to remember that, you know, crime doesn't happen in isolation. Crime People commit crimes because of circumstances that drive them to that moment. And this guy had a really tragic life. And I think, you know, it was obviously it is 
there's no question that it's wild and it's weird, but there's also this big emotional component to it where this stuff really, it really damaged people's lives in ways that I don't think we really realise when, you know, you're shopping at, you know, the local Coles and Woolies, you don't realise the stories of what goes into that stuff. Yeah, okay. And so when you uh, were learning more about the nut industry and the criminals and the people farming them, is there uh, a serious hierarchy on it when it comes to which nut they're talking about? Like, is it all, you've, you've mentioned almonds a lot. I mean, what about the cashew kings, you know, the pistachio? <laughs> the pistachio pimps. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is no. the best question. That is the best question I've been asked in this process. And you tell you what, Almonds are where the money is, but pistachios have this whole other like history to them because pistachios, the, the biggest competition for pistachio growers for America is the, uh, the nation of Iran. And there's like all these really delicate political dealings between Iran and America as to who gets to ship into what country. And it's become really vexed ever since Trump became president. Oh. So you would not have thought that. So in terms of like drama, I would say pistachios. In terms of value, I would say almonds. Uh, just I wait till you start getting into saffron, trucks of saffron, <laughs> most expensive oh, thing by that, weight. That's season three. Okay. That's season three. <laughs> have to wait for that one. And Mark, it was it was so interesting hearing you dropped in amongst these characters, which, you know, you, you picture them, uh, you describe them really well, but it, it's very difficult to um, to picture you as an Australian, and particularly given we used to work together at Triple J, knowing you, <laughs> and then being dropped in the food bowl of, you know, outback California where all this food is produced and talking to these people holding shotguns. How did they treat you as, as, as an Australian uh, rolling up to their town? It's funny, in the last few years I've, I've started doing more stuff like this and obviously we did uh, It Burns, which was also in the US, and I started doing reporting all around the world from crazy things like the Hong Kong protests and whatnot. And I think what's interesting I find is that I don't look like I belong anywhere. Like I don't look like a standard journalist. I don't sound, I, there's an image of Australians around the world and that image is basically Chris Hemsworth and I don't definitely <laughs> don't look like that either. And I think it actually buys you a lot. Like, it buys, like the most, they're as curious about you as you are about them. And I think people people like Australians, and, and I think if you walk into these worlds, and I, and I don't pretend to be an expert about these things, it's walking into the world and just asking a bunch of honest questions about, hey, how did this thing actually happen? And I think people, because I don't carry a lot of baggage, people are actually really giving, mm. and often about things that they maybe shouldn't be so giving about, but... I think being Australian is really good in a place like that because it's like if you can imagine being an American stepping into some of these things or even being British, I think being British people just assume you're Louis Rue. But weirdly, <laughs> one UK newspaper did call me a cheery Australian version of Louis Rue, and I'm like, <laughs> I am not that cheery. How dare you? <laughs> I think there isn't really a model. I don't, think you, I don't think people expect you to be anything so you have this opportunity to just surprise them mm. and not carry any baggage. Amazing stuff, Mark. It's such an incredible uh, series. So thank you very much for putting your life on the line to uh, to inform us of this incredible underbelly <laughs> that we don't know about. Uh, what's next then? Chilies, nuts. What do you got? Uh, well, uh, there's there's something involving stolen artifacts that's going to be. Uh, I'm looking into my next thing. Oh, I tell be you what, Tomb Raider, Nicholas Cage, Jolie. National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what. I always 
felt like it really needed a podcast. It was wasted as a Hollywood movie. Yeah. It needed to be a podcast. <laughs> well, you would have reviewed that movie as well. What did you What did you give it at the time? Wouldn't have been much. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know, actually know that I did ever review that one. I think I somehow had, like slipped through the cracks. Goodness. But look, All can right. I just preemptively give it three and a half stars? Because everyone knows I gave it three. Oh, that's the classic Mark Fidel I know and love. Thank you so much, my friend. <laughs> if you want to listen to Nut Jobs, it's available now only at audible.com.au forward slash nut jobs. Really appreciate it, Mark, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Congrats on the new podcast. Oh, legend. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. You too. Bye. Miss you. Bye. All day breakfast. With a cup of tea with a tea bag stuck in it. Mm-mm. Speaking to Mark Fennell earlier, Alex Dyson, you worked with him at Triple J. Certainly did. Um, yep. My that, first, that movie guy. Yeah. My first interaction with, with him was knowing that he was that movie guy. Uh, and I'd made a web series called The Future Machine with some friends. Uh-huh. Came out about 2010, maybe. What was the What was the budget on that again? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was low. We got some free beers from someone and they were the props and that was about it. That was all we got paid. <laughs> and what did um, it take at the box office just from memory? You know, we're still waiting for the royalties. I get some mean royalty checks, by the way. You know, I've dropped a few Boilermakers tracks right yeah. over my time. Every now and then I'll get an Apple royalty payment. Last one was $5.67. Oh, you're killing me. I was $1.29 <laughs> on that Matt Nellix. But he played oh, out. Matt and Alex. Gold. <laughs> Anyways, so so me and my friends. I mean, we're we're young filmmakers, independent. I'm working at a at a at a winery, you know, a call center selling wine on the phone at the time. I got no money. We're trying to get some free publicity. Would so you prefer start- that or be one of the wine sellers at the airport at the moment? They're the same thing, mate. They're the same <laughs> ones, honestly. Um, I think I preferred on the phones because I didn't have to look nice. <laughs> so um, we had no money trying to find out little ways to, you know, spread the word, get the get our show out there. Yep. So we came up with the idea that it's a future machine. So we should send all these people in the media, your Mark Fennells, um, you know, your movie reviewers at, at Sydney Morning Herald, et cetera, our little packages from the future, right? <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone else has watched Arrested Development and seen Tobias Fuque put together gift bags for film execs and put glitter in there. And oh, these dude, little notes. I wish this it was is glitter. Eerily dude, similar to dude, that idea. We we send a letter saying, <laughs> Hi, we've sent this package from 2035, right? And this is the premise of the package. We sent a letter. And in the letter, it says, hi, it's Tom from the Future Machine. The year is 2035. Just to warn you, currency has become completely obsolete. And now everyone trades in pubic hairs. <laughs> so <laughs> here, here's three pubic hairs to no, prepare you didn't. for your bank account. So we just sent and so at the bottom of the letter, there was just three hairs like sticky tape oh, to the piece of paper. Now, now, can you I tell you, they were not pubic hairs. Obviously, it was a joke. It was just supposed to be. Did you use your own hair? I can't remember what whose we, who's we used. It was just... It was just hair. It was definitely not pubes, obviously. All right. That's well, ridiculous. Obviously to you because you got them from somewhere, not obviously to the people opening up a letter that has three black curly hairs in it saying that it's pubes. Anyway, look, some people. <laughs> look, hey, this is just one of many mistakes I've made in my career. Thank you very much.
And I am proud of those mistakes. <laughs> what did I you say? tried. On, what did you say on our first show? I'm good at everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at trying, all right? That's what I'm good at. I'm good at taking a chance, God damn it. Yes, I, I sent fake pubic hair to media people. Oh, we should have asked Mark Fennell if he remembers that. All right, we I have didn't to get want him, to ask Mark Fennell. We have to get but him back anyways, on a future episode. And, so, um, <laughs> look, my, some people like Mark Fennell thought it was funny. They had a look at our show. They were like, hey, this is kind of funny. They tweeted about it. Others, I'm looking at you, Shelley Horton, obviously did not find it very funny. Every Saturday on like the, oh, I can't remember what the lift out was called in the Sydney Morning Herald, at the back of like the, you know, the entertainment section, she had a, uh, you know, a what's hot. Yeah. And a what's not. <laughs> and you don't have to be a genius to figure out which, which column she put us in. Didn't even mention our names. Was what, just so you got like, in the knot? It was, we were in the knot and it was literally like some idiotic film Young filmmakers thought it would be funny to send hairs pretending they were pure, and rightly so, absolutely blasted us. So that was my first appearance in the paper. In the not- <laughs> no, like my first decent in the Sydney Morning Herald, my first decent appearance. An uncredited and what? what's not sending And you know pubes. what? You know what? I snipped it out, put it in the, uh, in the scrapbook. I was proud of that. You got to mention. Oh. <laughs> There we go. So wait. So, so we, yeah, for the young kids trying to get into the Australian uh, media industry, there's a what's not to do. Well, look, yes, it's what's not. It was a big mistake. It was silly. It was supposed to be a joke. I can see now it was dumb. But also feel free to let us know what's your hustle gone wrong? You know, what is your failed, <laughs> oh, just your bad hustle? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> get in touch with us at Matt Alex Instagram. But please. Please, we don't have a postal address. <laughs> no keep the, pubes. Keep the pubes in the pants, please. <laughs> Which brings us, Matt, to the end of another all-day breakfast. Once again, covering plenty of topics. So uh, hopefully you can get in touch with the show about um, not only your own hustle, but love, as we mentioned at the start of the show, for you to let us know um, when you changed. We'd really love to, um, yeah, hear about that and get your stories as well, which can other people can potentially put into practice moving forward, Matt O'Kine. Once again, an absolute pleasure, sir. Thank you very much. Just remember that everyone's experience is different, but thank you very much for listening to a few of mine. Uh, we are Matt and Alex. This is All Day Breakfast, and hopefully we will catch you again very, very soon. Bye. That's it. The All Day Breakfast kitchen is closed. Got a story we need to hear? Post on our Discord or slide into our DMs. All the links are at mattandalex.com.au.